This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein with uh, Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks is out this week. It is an open topic show, so we're looking for your questions to get your uh, projects completed around the house. We can talk about quick fixes or big projects, even major renovations. We want to hear whatever it is you're doing this morning. Also, with Jeff Sammons, being out this week, we welcome back one of our favorites, Timmy McClendon from AC Remedies. And you can join the conversation with us this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. How are you folks doing this morning? Man, I can't, I can't call it. It's uh, such a beautiful, cool morning and I'm not doing a thing. You know, I was wondering about what AC guys do on that first crisp morning morning of the uh, of the year. I get. Well, can what? I can I say this? Uh, we we hibernate. You hibernate. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, we've got. I got lots of questions about that because. Uh, we we kind of joked last week about that first time you turn on your heater and get that burnt smell, that burnt dust smell that you get. So we'll be getting to that a little bit later on. Pam, how's your week gone? Well, I'm with Timmy. It's just awesome. This weather is great. And uh, Timmy, so you know, I always tell my clients if if they want any work done in their attic on their ductwork or their system, their HVAC system, now's the time to get her done because y'all are just hibernating. They're hibernating, (laughs) right. (laughs) Trying to wake me up out of my deep sleep, fam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to wake you up. And right, you go right. Work. Well, it's funny. if uh, Those of you who don't know, if, uh, you know, Tim, Timmy's been coming around the show here for a few years. And if you don't know, there, there are a couple of different Timmys. There's the Timmy that comes in June. And, you know, he just, he, he looks fantastic. He looks like the guy that you want coming to your home and doing the air conditioners. Well, around November, he looks like he's been in Alaska for three months and, you know, hadn't shaved and, you know, just. <laughs> he hasn't been out, out in the world, yes. Yeah. So uh, you're probably hey. on the in-between times right now. Got kind of like a 5 o'clock shadow going on, right, Timmy? Yeah, you do. It's uh, great. Now, I've been doing some, some heater services, cleaning up heaters and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not pressing it right now. You know, deer season is starting up. So deer season is starting, yes. Yeah, so deer, that's right. There's where the priorities are. All right, so uh, let's get going this morning. Uh what, Pam, have you been working on this week? Well, actually, <clears throat> I'm getting my shop uh, organized. I just purchased a new um, saw. It's a miter. It's a DeWalt uh-huh. compound miter. <sighs> and I wanted to, I got a battery-operated one. I, I really wanted one that plugged in, but the size that they had. And, you know, I told the guys at the store, I was like, you guys really need to start thinking about having tools for the ladies right? that don't weigh so much, that can be moved around. 
So I purchased this one because it's small. And then I purchased a stand, a movable stand. And I'm so excited. I've got projects lined up for the weekend. I'm going to get out there and get that saw set up. See, that's how how it works. I I think that's cool, Pam, because it's funny, you know, uh, to make this real for kind of everybody and understand what that means is this, um, you know, when you go through and you find just the greatest tool in the world, and then all of a sudden you've got all these projects for that tool to participate in, you know, it's, uh, you know, the equivalent would be buying a pair of shoes and thinking, I got to have a dress. So there you go. There, there's well, I would never she say almost, that. Right? She, almost, she almost reminded me of a home improvement that will tend to tool man Taylor. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That's Pam. All right. Uh, well, this uh, I've got something for you here, Timmy, just to start us off. And remember, if you've got a caller question, it's 877-MPB-RING. Timmy, this was from uh, last week, so that you'll know, Timmy, we, we talked about the fact that many washers out there, like washer and dryer, a clothes washer, has a internal filter that uh, many times can be changed. And so we got an email after that show that I think you might be able to help with. I listened to your show this morning, Washing Machine Filter. I learned that the washing machine has a filter that can be accessed by removing a couple of screws on the front panel. My machine has no screws on the front or side panels, only several on the back panel. Further, uh, when I wobble the drum, I hear water in the machine. So do I remove the back panel to access the filter? And why is there water in the machine? Um, well, okay. So, Timmy, thank goodness you're on today. So you can just take all of that and go. All right, man. This is, uh, this could be fun. Um, so the filters I'm assuming that they're probably talking about is a, a pump filter. So, you know, you're washing clothes, the lint and stuff, you know, that's on the clothes itself, and it goes down through the pump. It's got a little screen inside of the front side of that pump. Sometimes it depends on what kind of, you know, washer you got. But uh, if it's like the old-style pump, you know, it's got the transmission on top of it, um, there are usually about three or four screws uh, sitting on the front side of the pump if you're staring at the, the washing machine like you're going to put clothes in it. Um, that, sometimes you have to pull the whole, actually, you got always got to pull the whole casing off the whole thing, which isn't usually but two screws and two clips and then a plug for your uh, door switch. Um, but that's... Usually not too too terribly hard to get to. The newer ones are completely different. Every one of them are built different. Um, that would be kind of hard for me to try to guide somebody on exactly where that one would be. Um, yeah, I've got that. Let's see. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, um, the water inside the drum. She was worried about uh, uh, when she water, uh, wobbles the drum. Uh, she hears the water in the machine, and she's worried about that water in the machine. But but there's some water in washing machines, correct? Yeah, there's got to be. Um, uh, basically, you know, when you take your washing machine off the wall, you know, you're pulling it back from the wall. You got that big old tube that comes up from the bottom and goes into the drain where your water faucets usually are for the washing machine. Uh huh. So that thing holds water. If you took that that one hose right there and you laid it on the floor. It will completely dump out the rest of the water that's inside that washing machine. Really? The pump's actually taking the water from the washing machine and then pushing it up. So some of them run on a time cycle, but the other one's got a little switch in there. So when that thing sees dry, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, when my water's gone, it quits. And they usually leave a little bit of water in the bottom of it. You know, you won't be able to see it because of the, 
the right. screen, you know, the holes and all that stuff part right. of it is. But there always will be water in the bottom of that thing. Interesting. And let me ask, is that is that a pump filter always in a washer? Not always. Really? Not always. Yeah, so it's got a little impeller in there, and that impeller, you know, sometimes will just take it all in. But, you know, I think it's a good idea, you know, because if it's not sucking the water out like you need to, you know, you need to clean the, the filter up. Sometimes if it leaves too much water in there, it'll do that too. But um, I personally, I guess it really don't matter either way it goes, but not all of them have it. The new, the newer style ones, you know, the front-loading style, uh-huh. those are the ones you don't see it on the most. Usually the, the older style had the little screens on them. Okay. When I say screen, don't make it sound like a, a screened-in porch kind of screen. This is something like you would want to say like a miniature waffle-looking type thing. Yeah, the one on my washer that I've cleaned out is more of like a, almost a small basket. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, all right, well, let's move on. Uh, Patrick is on the line, and uh, is it is that Dolphin Island? Dolphin Island, Alabama? Uh, oh, oh, okay, cool. So uh, what's going on, Patrick? Well, I, a couple of years ago, I built a masonry fire pit, um, mm-hmm. you know, just a, a fire circle. And I put it together with um, the masonry version of, like, liquid nails. Mm-hmm. And after a year or two, all the, the bonds failed and the bricks started getting loose. When you put your feet up on it, they all came off. Right. I don't know what kind of cement or thin set or mortar or, or something I need to use that is, you know, will hold up the outside. It will also hold up being in a fire pit. So you didn't, you when you first put the fire pit together, you did not want to go to, say, a, uh, a, a, a mortar. You wanted to go with more of a, a glue kind of structure than the mortar. Well, yeah, I don't know anything about masonry. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you know, I just... You, I thought liquid nails basically was forever. It has been everything else I ever used it on. Right, but right. It wasn't on this one. Okay, okay. So, um, all right. Let me go, Pam. Pam, what is your thought? You know, um, something that I would probably do if I were, and I, I've worked on fire pits before, um, and I ended up just going over to. My folks there at uh, Garden Works and buying a uh, metal one that I can throw <laughs> all my limbs and stuff in. But it's limited, you know. On it's, I think it's like 30 inches across. Right. So if you wanted a bigger one. The problem we run into when we're building anything masonry um, that's going to have extreme temperature changes. So you're mm-hmm. going to go from having something that's really, really hot and then let's throw some weather on top of it as well. And if you're in Daphne, you're close to the coast, so let's just add a little salt to the mixture here. Um, so you're going to run into some weather issues, especially with the liquid nail. You may want to check that. I'm not sure an exterior application on some of those products is good. Right. But some of them, and I was amazed. I, I put new siding on my house a couple of years ago, and I, it's like buying light bulbs. At the hardware store. I mean, I went in yeah. and I was there looking. I thought I could get one product. Nails. And there are probably 30 different things for, and I had to read the label. It was annoying, but I realized if I got the wrong thing, my siding was going to come off my house. So I would go over to like a, 
um, a Lowe's or Home Depot or a Sutherland, someplace, a big box store, and go over into, like in my Lowe's, it's to the far right in the contractor section. And I would get a hold of one of the folks over there and say, this is what I'm doing. What is the application and what product do I need? Because if you get the wrong thing, you end up with what you've got with the deterioration. Also, if you're going to come in with brick and mortar, specifically on a horizontal surface that's going to get water on it, it's very similar. And we need our chimney sweep in here. But the top of the chimney, if it is not sealed off, it will literally bust that brick up because the rain will get down into that mortar because brick and mortar, believe it or not, is porous. And if we don't allow some hmm. type of a drainage for that specific application, the weather's just going to tear it up. So you, you may want to look at building your fire pit wall and then coming across the top with like a piece of stone or something that is above that that keeps the water from going down into it. That's a great it's, idea. Or does even that a, make it, sense? Can I, ask, can I ask Pam a question, please, since we're on this subject? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Go for All it. All right. <laughs> well, tell me, hey, I was going to write a memo. So, I'm, I'm, Pam, you know the old bowl starters in the bottom of the fireplaces? Yes. All right. So, I tear a ton of those things out. Now, I'm doing fire, like gas fire logs in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Man, I come across some, I can literally go in there with a, a pry bar and a hammer and just kind of pop the brick out to get to the, uh, the gas hook up to the bowl starter. And there's some other ones that I can literally sit there for two hours beating the mortar and the brick out. And I always thought that it was maybe a different type of mortar they used for that for the fire brick that goes into the brick fireplace. So you, you got the fire brick, you know, that goes in it. And then you got the decorative brick that normally goes on the outside, around the outside of the chimney part of it. So they use the same mortar for all of that? No, they shouldn't. That's actually a great observation because if you don't, and that's the one thing that we don't do well in the South. We don't build fireplaces well (laughs) Um, because we're using them for pretty. We're not using them to heat the house. You go up north and you've got a totally different animal up there because they're using a specific product because they know that that unit's going to be used a lot. Here, we turn on our air conditioner in the winter so that we can have a fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? right. Well, okay, oh. that's that pretty much, yeah, you're right. And Patrick, does that help at all? Does that get to your problem? Some of it, yeah. It just sounds like i got to do more research on what's the right kind of mortar or thin set to use. I, I would. I, yeah, I would I would do that, Patrick. If if it were me and I were you, I would, first of all, go find uh, I think a, a, a video. I think a a good idea. But yes, go find, find a video somebody. of someone yeah. laying brick like that for, you know, circular like that. And you're believe it or not, uh, mixing up the mortar, that sort of thing, you're not going to find this this project. It's too difficult, but you will find it very rewarding because uh, there's a permanence to it once you use that mortar. Thanks for the help, guys. Yep. All right, let's uh, keep on moving. We've got uh, Gussie and Jackson with a wireless doorbell question. What's going on, Gussie? Uh, Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I had a standard doorbell for about 10 years, and then I decided to get a wireless doorbell. But mm-hmm. it's not really working too well. I replaced the battery inside the doorbell itself, as well as replaced the batteries that's on the wall right. in the hall where the other part hangs. 
And I did this twice, and the doorbell seems to work for maybe like a week or two, and then it stops working. So I was just trying to figure out which is a better doorbell, a wireless or just a regular standard one. Well, who make who makes your uh, doorbell first? Is it like a? It's uh, it was like on the low end of the purchase the cost for it. I'm not sure uh, who the manufacturer was. Okay, so this isn't online. like Ring or or something no, of that nature. No. no, no, it's nothing like that. It's just a uh, a lower cost uh, wireless doorbell, like a generic. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, okay. If it's wireless, that means uh, it's it's using something called RF radio frequency, and the biggest issue with that is going to be distance. So, so how far are are your two things apart? The doorbell and the receiver end, which would be where the sound comes out inside. How far is that front door and that receiver apart? I say it's less than twenty feet. Huh. I, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Uh, if you can move that, uh, the, the, the sound portion of this doorbell, the thing that actually rings and receives the signal, if you can move it closer, uh, especially if it was a, a kind of not a higher end product, the RF is not going to be as strong. That meaning the, the, the signal is not going to be as strong. So uh, the closer you get to that, the better off you're going to be. Is uh, now did the? Let me ask you this: Did the doorbell? It's not a wireless doorbell, meaning a, a Wi-Fi doorbell, is it? No. Uh, yes. No, I don't. I, I don't think so. I never thought about it like that. Uh, right. No. If it's Wi-Fi, that's a whole different situation. But if it's just kind of a little remote control thingy. Um, where you push the button and the sound comes out in a different place, that is really, that's probably going to be a reception problem, and you just need to bring the bell closer to the door. Okay. Okay, well, I think we can do that one. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think that may help. Okay, well, thank you so much. And you all have a very nice program, and I enjoy listening to you guys. Thank you, Gussie. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks. Um, all right. And straight to Timothy in Louisiana. Timothy, what's going on, man? Well, uh, Delta came through, you know, and everything, but uh, I'm fine. Well, um, good. But I'm, uh, um, I got two 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 answers here for you. The Patrick with his his uh, his fireplace. Yes. His fire pit. Uh-huh. Use refractory submit. Go. Do not go to a big box store. Do not go to a big box store. Nobody knows nothing there. Right. <laughs> All right. Go okay. for it. Go to a masonry supply and get refractory cement. Refractory cement. Yes. Okay. I have built fireplaces, and I can guarantee that this is the stuff you use. Fantastic. Thank you, Timothy. Okay. All right, as to Dusty and her doorbell situation, yes, sir. It's probably she getting cheap batteries. Okay, the your the minute they go below like uh, fifteen hundred milliamps, right? You know they just don't deliver. So go buy some good batteries. You know, like inner loops or something like that. Okay, hang on just a second, Timothy. You said something, and now you're going to have to back it up. Good batteries. What is a good battery? Um, in a loop is my favorite. E n e l o o p. Uh huh. 
That's a brand? Okay. That's a brand, yes. Let's see who makes that sucker. Let me look at my. I got one right here. Can you pick it up at the random store, or do you have to go oh, yeah. to some special battery place? Uh, you got to go to Amazon. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, they come right to your door. You don't have to go anywhere. All right. All right. Yeah, uh, crap. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay, Tim. Okay. Ah, okay, uh, or a Tenergy. That's another good brand. Tenergy. Energy. Yeah, it's just energy with a T on the beginning of it. Okay. They're All rechargeable and they last a long, long time. I have been using the same Inalute batteries for 13 years. Oh, come on, Timothy. 13, 13 years. 13 years. Double A's, 13 years, okay? All right. All right. Well, thanks, Timothy. We appreciate the uh, the heads up on those things. We're going to take a break real quick, and uh, we want to hear from you. What is happening at your home? Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101. Uh, I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector and Inspect It Like a Girl, and Timmy McClendon from AC Remedies. It is Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. You can join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Okay, I got a couple of emails here that I need to get to. And um, I'm going to go with this one because it was so much fun to hear. Uh, And please, Pam or Timmy, uh, give us your opinions here. Stuck Chuck, that is the name of the email. Hi there. I'm listening this morning on how ladies ought to learn how to use tools, and it made me think Jason or Pam could perhaps answer my question, which is this. I have a DeWalt cordless grill with a stuck chuck. Um, what can I do to get it unstuck? This, this is going to be fun if you do this a rhyme thing, right? Okay. If I can't get it unstuck, do you think I can take it to my local hardware store and they can fix it? Hate for it to be junk or just useful with that one bit that fits it. So basically, she's got a bit in this DeWalt drill in the chuck. And for those of you who don't know, the chuck is the little thing on the very front end, on the business end of a drill that you literally insert a drill bit or a a screwdriver bit of some sort. It's the part that spins on the front. Um, But it also, its job really is to properly latch on to either um, the the screw thing that you're using or to the drill bit. Uh, Its job is to kind of get its teeth into it and hold it so that the drill bit will continue turning when going into wood. Or something of that nature. So that's what the chuck is. And a lot of times, if you use it to do something kind of difficult, that that chuck uh, can get pretty tightly wound on there. And getting that chuck off is, I will say at my house, is 
that's when I'm like playing Hulk. You have to take both hands and try as hard as you can with different tools and stuff to get that thing unstuck sometime. So do you guys have any um, any ideas for her, for Tiffany? Okay, yeah, Tiffany, we're going to talk about how to unstuck a chuck. Unstuck a chuck <laughs> with Pam. We're yeah. going to unstuck a chuck. And this was actually one of the lessons that I gave when I, we were doing the deck. And okay. We've got a, a cordless drill. Well, let me say this, ladies. Anytime you're doing something, you don't want to think about how strong do I have to be. You want to think about leverage. How do I work this so that I don't have to have an, an inordinate amount of strength? I just want to have leverage. So mm-hmm. when that has happened to me on my DeWalt cordless, I will take it over and put it in a vice grip in my shop. And I will put the chuck in the vise mm-hmm. and tighten it up as tight as I can. And then I will put the drill in reverse. And then when I hit the power, it will reverse itself and unstuck the chuck. Right. But you, you got to have a good firm hand on that grill or, or the, on the drill. Sorry. Oh, yeah. You got to have a real good. And what you can do is you could brace that somehow up against the table if you wanted to do that. Oh, that's actually a better idea because I'm actually with my cordless drill. I had an unfortunate uh, (laughs) incident where I was trying to drill a hole in my fence so my dog could see out. Yes. This is where we all do that. Yes. Yeah. Everybody does that. So you can see out. So I had a six inch bit that you would normally use to put vents in your soffit. And I went over there. And try and it literally spun me around. I almost thought I broke my wrist. So you just got to think about brace that drill. But if you've got a good vice grip and you put it in there and you tighten that up and then you can pull the drill over to uh, brace it against the um, your whatever the table or whatever. If right. you hit reverse, it'll it'll unstuck. It'll but, unstick. But this is <laughs> as 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 she mentioned. This is kind of a thing in in it's either a brute strength thing or it's a smarter thing you have to outthink it but it really is just something that's too tight and it's going to be uh it's not unfixable it's not certainly not broken um people wait for people to throw tools away like that and don't make the mistake of when i first got it started doing all this stuff i thought i had to put my hand on that chuck and hit reverse right and i just wasn't strong enough i had to find something else to hold that. And if all else fails, take it down to the hardware store, especially one of these small mom and pop things, and they'll love fixing it for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Timmy, you ever get a stuck chuck? Man, I do. You know, you can, uh, it's mainly because of uh, weather. You know, when they're working on the unit, you know, uh, yeah. in, in the rain or whatever, and uh, inside of that thing, I get a little rusty. Yep. Yep. Um, I've had that happen before. Basically, I just take some three-in-one oil and just drop it down in there around the, the, the bit. But I sit there for a little while when I get there, and I just take, i got a big pair of channel locks. I just kind of put it in between my legs, the drill, mm-hmm. and just kind of crank on that pair of channel locks and work it loose. But sometimes it can be a booger, you know? Yeah. So Timmy's but, uh, going for the uh, brute force idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes I get shaved. Right. <laughs> I just throw in the trash. <laughs> right. All right. Let's go to the phone. Kathleen's on the line in Osaka. Hey, Kathleen, what's up? Well, this one was directed to Timmy. Uh, mm-hmm. 
a couple shows back with Timmy, so it's been a couple months, they were talking about microwaves. There's a solution I came up with that he can have the idea and give it to whoever he wants. On the side of the microwave, uh, this is for, I guess, someone who's manufacturing them, put a flap there so you don't have to have the clock operated by electricity. Make it to where you can take in and out batteries easily and shut the flap. Because out here in the country, every time you turn around, if the wind blows, if it rains, if it gets too hot, the, the lights go out, flicker, and you got to reset everything. So if you have one, most of them have their little timers now, this would be a solution to prevent it. Quick, easy, simple, and cheap. So probably nobody will do it. Well, and that, that, you know what? That's a good idea, Kathleen. What were you going to say, uh, Timmy? Well, I was trying to do that. I was out the whole time here. Did you see the battery slot? Like you can put batteries in it? Yeah, so that you can keep your clock going. But I'll tell you, Kathleen, we use the blinky clock to tell us the power went out. That's what the blinky, blinky the clock is. So loud, you have to feel by Braille to get to the door. Right, yeah. Right. All right. Thanks a lot, Kathleen. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to go to Sydney in Jasper County, and he's got a, a gutter question. What's going on, Sydney? Yeah, how y'all doing? Good. Well, uh, I want to ask y'all what to do, because the way it's going now, look like this boy going to send me to the graveyard. Uh-huh. Uh, he put up a uh, brand-new gutter and uh, put that stuff over over the top of them to keep my leaves from getting in now. Yeah, the gutter guards? Yeah, mm-hmm. but they weren't the kind that keep the the the, uh, uh, the rocks, you know, the the the, the, uh, the uh, sand off the gutters in there. Right, from the... From the shingles. Yeah, the shingles. Right. Uh, this what I got. The first time he put them up, it rained. It leaking on the end. I called him, told him it leaking on the end. He come back. When he come back, I didn't mess with him. I thought he knew what he was doing. I went back doing what I had to do. When I got back, he had started in the middle. And I said, it ain't leaking in the middle. leaking at the end where you begin at. Right. So make a long story short. He didn't. Uh, he done been back here five times, and it's still leaking from the inside to uh, on the between the house and the gutter. I got that uh that stuff that you put on the end to make your gutters stick out. Yes, sir. Guess what? What? It's still leaking on the inside. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Uh, so uh, anybody got an idea for Sydney? Have you tried a, Desi, put up a metal drip edge? Yeah, we did that. And it's still leaking between the gutter and the house, and the fascia. I'm I'm up to see, 9 plus uh, 140. Uh, I'm up to $1,000. They're like, oh, I had to keep going. No. So I can't keep up nine. Well, and if you're having water, you're saying you've got a leak on one side of the gutter? Yeah, uh, you know, you is know, it the like, spout side? Uh, it's the spout side. You know, between the the girders and the house. Right. I got a looming siding all the way around, but it's still leaking. But I told him I still didn't want it to leak between the girders and the house. What kind of gap do you have between there? How big? It was. About a quarter of a less than a quarter of an inch. Uh-huh. He called it ceiling. That didn't do it. Then he told me to get that 
uh, that, that, that Miller, you know, to try to extend it, because he told me my, my, my shingle was sticking out of for it. Right. So he put yeah, that. Yeah, the shingles uh, are short. Yeah, and uh, he sent me back. I ain't going to say where I got them from. Uh-huh. Well, I went through this company, and this him, one of these top, uh, uh, what y'all call them, sold that uh, uh, sell everything to bees. Yeah, big yes, box big stuff. box, yep. Yeah, that's who I went through, and they hired the contract, and he told me he'd been putting up a uh, girl for eight years. Looked like he'd been putting them up for about eight days. Where was he going? Well, a uh, number of years doing something doesn't mean you were doing it right the whole time. So, um but Sydney, you know the fact that you're getting a leak on one end is pretty telling for a gutter. Uh, uh, Timmy, you want to get in that at all? Man, oh, I was kind of a pain. You know, I mean, I, I thought you know when he first started talking about it, the uh, that the uh, shingles were too short. You know, yeah, uh, not yeah. Really if your shingles are too Man. short, or if um, if they installed it, and this is if Jeff is listening, I know he's out fishing this morning, but I do not like a gutter installed on the furring strip because then your your shingles will be too short, and you've only yeah. got two inches of that to play with. Now yeah. that they're already put up. Probably what I would do at that point is, if I were going to do this myself, I would go and get a roll, uh, a roll, a roll of flashing, and we I would come in and put that under the shingle so that it extends past the shingle, so that when the water is coming off of that, it drips down into the gutter and doesn't backwash back between your gutter and your fascia. Uh, I, I we did a, that. You did that. Yeah, I got uh, I got 50 foot of it, and uh, the only thing I see that that thing on top where to keep the leaves off. Yeah, it, it ain't flat. It kind of sticks up, so he can't push that that tin. You know, the extended the, 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 the shingles mm-hmm. extended over where he'll make it miss that. Well, I tell you what, Sydney, we talked last week about gutter guards and and their relative effectiveness or not um and and so that if that's holding you back and keeping the water out of your gutters then that might be something to think about timmy you were saying yeah i got it all right so both of y'all probably know exactly what i'm gonna say they take the gutter and they push it up too far yeah now you make you make a trap on the shingle and Penny probably know exactly what i'm talking about it's like just trying to install your uh your fascia board up too tight to the shingle and you make a little like your shingle is like got basically got like a bowl in it. So right. now when yeah. it rains, now when it rains, the water is going to run under the shingle just a little bit and get hit the fascia board and run down back behind the gut. Interesting. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like yeah, that could very well be what it is. Yeah, I thought I pushed the gutter. Uh, and if it if it doesn't have a correct fall, if there's not enough of a slant on it, water is ponding in there and backwashing over underneath. Yeah. I will, I, you know, Sydney. Let me say this um, to kind of kind of wrap this one up. But yeah, I'll say this: if if someone has been to your house to fix a thing five times, you've got the wrong someone. Uh, uh, yeah, it's time to move on to to another contractor, and please check to see if they're licensed and all that other stuff because they're going to be on your roof. However. Um, you know, I'm just not giving somebody six times to fix something. 
It's it, that one. Our relationship is done at that point. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I knew it, but I want to hear somebody say it beside me. Okay. <laughs> well, you have well, our permission. One of the things you want to keep in mind, too, is that you do have some recourse. If this came through a big box store, they're supposed to guarantee the, the product. Oh, yeah. So I would certainly. Uh, uh, the good thing, I got a year to be satisfied. Well, there you exactly. go. And do not let yeah. that year expire because they will. So. Well, I'm kind of, I got left most, though. I you. Good for you. All right. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. We're going to take a break real quick. Uh, it's time for another break. We're still looking to hear from you about your home improvement projects. If you want to join today's show, call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. When we come back, we're going to be looking at some other projects that probably didn't know required a permit. So we'll check on that. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl. And Timmy McClendon from AC Remedies is our guest today. Jeff Simmons from Houseworks is out. You can join the conversation this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Got an email here. This is one of my favorite things. We were just talking about gutters and roofing and those drip edges and everything else. And I have another email that I do want to talk about regarding that. Uh, that however, the first sentence did make me laugh, I have to say. Okay. How do I find a reputable person to repair my roof that's about 10 years old? My first thought was a 10-year-old roof repair person. But anyway. All right. Uh, I live in Itawamba County. A few weeks ago, I noticed a water stain on the living room ceiling. The man who installed the roof removed a large limb and said that the roof was fixed. However, today I noticed that the water stain has grown. How do I find a reputable person to repair the problem before it gets worse? Thank you. Um, First, let's start, and because this one includes our last caller, I do want to say this, and we mention this a lot, but it's almost good enough for every show. If you're looking for a contractor in the state of Mississippi, it's uh, write this down, write down this uh, email, or this this webpage, m s b o c dot u s. That's Mississippi State Board of Contractors. And uh, those that the state puts that there so that you can look up 
licensed, insured, bonded, you know, everything you need, contractors that you can rely on. And and, and if they're going to be on that site or if they're going to be on a home builder site, you can look at your local home builders organizations. You can uh, here in Mississippi, you can look at MHI. Um, I think that's Mississippi Housing Institute. I'm not sure. Uh, or information. I, f- I forget which one it was. But either way, if you look at those sites, you can find reputable contractors that are licensed. And if they are that, if a job is improperly done, uh, most likely those people will come and, and, and make the job right for you. So uh, find yourself a licensed contractor. Um one of the other things this person asked, Jackie asked, is also once the roof is repaired, what's the process of painting a water stain on the ceiling? Something I've not done before because I've replaced. Uh, Timmy, Pam, have you guys ever painted over a water stain? Man, yes. Yeah. Man, yes. Okay, go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's oil humming. It's probably better than I am. I'm just aware of this. You know, I've had some water stains in my house before, too, but luckily enough, it wasn't uh, so bad. It actually made the sheetrock buckle a little bit. So right. Drooping. So the very first thing you want to do is get some oil-based kilts, you know? Some oil-based kilts sprayed on there and make it a spray can. They even make one that you ain't got to turn it sideways. It's called an upshot. Okay, so kilt. what he's talking about is K-I-L-Z, kills. Kilts. Uh-huh. You know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the easiest thing to do. It's a little... Uh, Maybe even a little drop off to on the floor because a little overspray might get, you know, in some places or whatever. But it's uh, definitely awesome stuff. Um, you definitely want to paint it after that. But the hardest thing, in my opinion, is probably trying to match the paint, um, whether you're doing a wall or a ceiling. But I've learned if you go buy, um, buy some, just whatever. I mean, I will, I'll say a paint store, yeah. you know, wherever that is in your area. But uh, you can go get you some regular ceiling white uh-huh. and get but if it's just a white ceiling, you can put D1 and L1 in it. D1 and L1 makes it just a shade bit darker, almost like it's like it's older paint job. Like huh. apparently, see what I'm saying? So D1, L1, that's one shot of black and one shot of whatever L is. Ain't really kind of clear. That's what they always told me. And uh, anyway, you can just roll it on there a little mini roller. You can get you a quart of it probably and make it easy on you. That's fantastic. Thank you. The uh, I forgot about the the upshot kills uh, can. So uh, kills is if you if you've ever done uh, hardcore painting, you'll know kills is that primer stuff, and you can get it in every strength and size you could ever want between oil and and latex and the whole nine yards. However, um, there 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 is a can for spraying your ceiling, and it get, the the spray goes straight up. And it's uh, a primer white, so you'll probably have to paint over it. But it probably kills, typically covers every stain on a wall. Yeah. I know there's one store over, you know, here in the Jackson area that sells a ceiling white spray can. Um, really? It's, I don't know if it already has the B1L1 in it or not, but it's like a little touch-up paint. It's just straight ceiling white. And when I say white, I'm talking about white. Man, got nothing in there. Right. But they can also try that. Okay. Great idea. All right, thank you. Yeah, sure. No, go for it. All right, so Colonel Calhoun is the one that's over here in the Jackson area. Fertile that has area. that. And they, that is a that is a paint store. That's all they sell is paint. Right, right. So okay. It's a little. It's just like the kilts can, a little rattle can. But it's got silver white in it. 
Okay. All right, number calls 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Um, so I've got another question here, and this one's going to be this one's going to be interesting. Uh, Pam, I really feel like this one's going to be right up your alley here. We have a drainage issue at our north-facing front steps. The area uh, that is mildewed it is pressure washed about every three months. He sent a picture with this, Pam. What you're looking at is about three steps up to a, a front door. Okay. And those steps are most likely around four to five feet wide. And one side of those steps is uh, the brick is molding on there. Uh, and it looks as though this particular piece of, uh, you know, right here on this front steps always stays wet. Uh, now, she says we're not aware of any water leaks. Uh, the bill has remained consistent. We've cut back a lot of the trees and shrubs in the area to provide more light. We had a general contractor out to the house who suggested we raise the dirt under the window three to four bricks higher, seal the outside of the steps with a Sherman Williams sealant, and this may solve our issue. My wife, who listens to your show regularly, has con- has concern about the slope of drainage away from the house. If we add more dirt and think she recalls one of you saying not to seal the bricks, do you have any suggestions? Uh, what do you guys think? So she's got this. Uh, half of her steps is just kind of moldy and, you know, it's always wet there. What, what are we looking well, at here? Well, back to this, this actually goes back to our fire pit because okay. brick is, people need to understand brick and mortar is porous. It always will hold water. Even on the side of your house, it's holding water. Right. Because that surface is vertical behind, supposedly, you're supposed to have, uh, I think it's a quarter of an inch to an inch gap between the brick and the cladding or your OSB. Right. If you don't have that, then those bricks will sweat on the back side because of our temperature differentials. Hmm. And But getting into steps, it sounds to me like that contractor was right. You're Anytime you put brick on a horizontal surface, it is going to gather water. And if it's not sealed correctly, then it will hold the water. So I'm not a fan of building exterior steps out of brick for this very reason. Because when the water gets down in there, and we don't have freezing temperatures here. We're kind of do a freeze. It is 2020. We'll probably have a freeze for Christmas or something. Right. Um, if you don't seal that up, the water's going to get in there and, um, you know, without seeing an exact photograph of it, Mm -hmm. I think cleaning it off real good. Wait, you know, we got a real dry temperatures right now. There's low humidity. Mm -hmm. You could clean those things up, let them dry out completely, and then come in with a very good exterior grade sealant on the brick and the mortar. Okay. All right. Um, I also see the point where they mentioned putting in a little dirt. I, the picture I did see was just straight from the house, uh, straight out. There was no fall, it seemed, from the front of the house. So there there might be yeah, a thing there. Yeah, once I think Jeff says, you know, you got to have so much fall every mm-hmm. 10 feet. I think it's two to three inches of fall or whatever. But, yeah. yeah, adding that in there. And then if you're getting drainage from off your roof coming right there, it's probably digging a hole, Ooh, and it's just a good point. problem. So um, you could good add point. that. Add some. I I would put some dirt, but I'd also come in with some type of landscaping stone. 
make sure that the water's coming off of that. I had to do it on my front porch. I have a metal roof over my, um, it's like a deck on the front mm. of the house. And I was having water sitting in there. So I dug that out and put in a French drain and then brought into my French drain stone on both sides so that the water was directed right at that drain. Right. It also filter, filters out dirt that might get into the drain. So exactly. the rocks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, let's go on to Kathy, who is on the road on the phone. What's going on, Kathy? Hi. I just wanted to say this was an awesome hour because I've learned so much. In my dream world, I'm a, a contractor. I'm building houses, building decks, building privacy fences, right. putting up, build, do, doing masons, masonry with pizza ovens. So I've learned about if you were doing, a, you know, an outside fireplace or pit or whatever, what you don't use and what you do use. For it to stay together, I've learned that there's going to be water in the bottom of the washing machine no matter what. I've learned about kills. I've learned about adding D1 and L1 to the sealer, I believe, to make the paint look old. I've learned about the gutters, that even if they put up certain systems, you still might have that gap overlapping if you're... Uh, what if your roof, if they're not coming down far enough? So I appreciate this hour. So if someone's talking about something and I'm just sitting there, I could pop up and say, oh, I know what to do. So I thank you all for that. And I'm going to hang up. <laughs> wow, well, that was you, fantastic, Kathy. Kathy. Thank Somebody you. Somebody send her a diploma. She right. graduated today. <laughs> right. I didn't even know we talked about all that stuff so far. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, should we go? Uh, should we go? Let's go to Bill and Olive Branch. What's going on, uh, Bill? Well, lady and gentlemen, we are in Mississippi. Yes, sir. And the uh, humidity rate here is about nine hundred and three percent. Right. And so when they have that uh, ceiling that's got had a leak in it. Uh huh. They might want to check it for mold before they put any kills or paint on it and uh, rectify the mold because if it's up in the ceiling and there's insulation up there that they can get out, uh, they can get, uh, get some dry insulation in there and dry that uh, uh, sheetrock out from the back. That's a great point, put Bill. The paint on. That's a great point, Bill, because once that stuff gets started, if you just hide it, it'll keep growing. But So yeah. that's a great idea. Make sure that stuff, uh, especially if the insulation doesn't get wet, it'll hold water. So uh, thank you for your comment, Bill. We appreciate it. And uh, it has been a show, hasn't it, folks? Here we go. go <laughs> Thanks, Timmy. Fix It 101 Thanks, is a production Timmy. of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by... Java Chapman, our call screener today was Liz Gill. And for Pam Pibus and today's ghost, today's ghost, today's guest host, Timmy McClendon, <laughs> I'm Jason Kleins. Yeah, no problem. Stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. program, Everyday Tech with Jay White. And join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101 only on MPB Think Radio.